Well, today we are in the fourth part of our On Location series, Ghost Town, and we've been talking about the role and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we follow Jesus. And while it's the gravitational pull for churches and Jesus followers to focus on a single role of the Holy Spirit or a singular gift of the Holy Spirit, what we've been saying is that we want it all. That if we want to live a Spirit-led life or a Spirit-full life, we can't limit the work of the Holy Spirit to what we're familiar with or comfortable with or simply what we already feel that we understand. We want the fullness of what God has to offer us. And we want the fullness of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through us. Now, today we're here in Shakespeare, New Mexico, just a few miles outside of Lordsburg in southwestern New Mexico. Shakespeare has a fascinating history that includes numerous name changes. The town exists here because it's close to a reliable spring that for a long time was referred to as Mexican Spring. The first building was then built in 1856 by the army as the building and area served as an army mail relay station. The next building was the Old Stone Fort, which was built by defeated Civil War soldiers pushed back from California to Texas. This was, after all, still part of Texas at that point in time. And then it happened. As in many New Mexico ghost towns, there was a discovery in 1870. Prospectors discovered very rich silver ore in the surrounding hills, and they quickly secured funding to develop mines from William Ralston, who at the time was president of the Bank of California. Ralston hired the Texas hired fighting men, including Curly Bill Brocious, to protect mining interests and to keep the peace, which is interesting. The town was even named in Ralston's honor, with newspapers as far away as San Diego carrying stories about the promising new town of Ralston. As news spread, the town quickly boomed to 3,000 people. Unfortunately for the town, the silver mined out very quickly, but hope was not lost. Word quickly began to spread that diamonds had been discovered in the mountains west of town on Lee's Peak. Most people believe that that word was actually started and spread by none other than William Ralston himself to keep people from leaving the town that he had invested so heavily in. There was no truth to the rumors. It was all a lie. There was no truth to the rumors. And in 1872, the diamond hoax became public and the town very quickly fell apart with most people leaving as fast as they could for fear of being implicated in the crooked work. The town virtually died. But seven years later, Colonel William Boyle of St. Louis purchased the good remaining claims and renamed the town of Shakespeare to give it a fresh start and to eliminate all the memories of the earlier swindles. The town actually enjoyed a little bit of a second boom with plenty more silver to be mined out and with many men actually bringing their families this time around. Unfortunately, the second boom was short-lived. When the rail lines came through in the mid-1880s, the rail lines chose nearby Lordsburg just three miles away as its hub, which quickly killed the resurgent Shakespeare. People began moving their businesses and restaurants to Lordsburg to be closer to supplies and shipping. And as they did so, it was as if people knew the town was dying because they took roofs and homes and any salvageable goods and materials with them. And while Shakespeare had a few moments here and there of potential rebirths, this was essentially the end for Shakespeare. All along the way though, Mexican Spring slash Ralston slash Shakespeare was a hard place to live filled with hard men. When you watch old movies about cowboys, outlaws, and gunfights in the Wild West, you're really watching stories about Shakespeare in the surrounding areas. Historians record that there was no outlaws in this town because, quote, there was no law. The only law was, and I quote, if you kill someone, you have to dig the grave. And the history books record that this law kept down indiscriminate shootings. 
because you had to think about whether or not you were willing to dig the grave for someone that you were going to shoot. Funny stuff. The leader of the men who was supposed to be keeping the peace was one of the worst instigators of rough behavior that the town ever saw. Curly Bill Brocious was the head of the Texas Fighting Men, but when the town fell apart after Ralston's diamond hoax, Curly Bill decided to stick around to see what he could make of himself. He started out by rustling wild cattle from just north of the Mexican border just a day's ride away and selling it to Native American reservations nearby. When the wild cattle ran out though, he started going south of the border into Mexico and began stealing not so wild cattle to sell to the Native American reservations. In doing so, he almost began a war between the US and Mexico because of the gunfights that came with his back and forth cattle rustling. He was accused, this is crazy, he was accused of killing eight men, but he bragged and claimed that he had killed many more, 32 to be exact. His life ultimately came to an, event, an end eventually as the famous Wyatt Earp himself tracked him down and killed him, although that claim was disputed by Curly Bill's friends because there was no body to verify the claim. Then, shortly after Curly Bill's reported death, the city passed an ordinance asking 12 bad men to leave town to end the lawlessness and roughness of the town. Two men, Sandy King and Russian Bill, were the first of the 12 men to walk back into town. Sandy King was a notorious cattle rustler and gunslinger, while Russian Bill was a guy that the bad guys kept around for fun. He was described as, a rom as romantic looking and someone who dressed like a dandy. Russian Bill had an unusual mustache, he dressed in a Russian military officer's jacket, and he in fact claimed to be a descendant from the Russian royal family. Of course, no one believed him because, well, Russian Bill made a lot of wild claims. So when they walked back into town, the men were arrested and brought by the town vigilante committee. Uh, they brought them to the Grant House dining room, tried them, and hung them from the timbers for the crimes of stealing a horse and, quote, being a darn, but not darn, nuisance. And the problem was dealt with until two years later, a Russian gentleman acting on the behalf of the Russian Countess Telfrin showed up looking for her long lost son, William Tattenbaum. Awkward. The town was also the first stop for another well-known outlaw after his very first crimes. In the middle 1870s, a skinny blonde kid with buck teeth drifted into the town from Silver City by the name of Henry McCarty looking for work. He was told that he was too young and too weak to do any of the heavy work, but eventually he was uh, hired to wash dishes right back here in the Stratford Hotel. After some accusations were made about him, he drifted toward the Arizona Territory and eventually back to Lincoln County, New Mexico, where he became infamous as none other than Billy the Kid. Ralston slash Shakespeare was wild, it was lawless, it was crazy, and it was not for the faint of heart. In short, there was nothing comfortable about this place or anything that happened here. And that leads us to the next role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that the Holy Spirit brings comfort. Now, it might seem like an odd fit to come to a place that was known for being so uncomfortable to talk about the work that the Holy Spirit brings comfort in our lives. But I actually think this is the perfect place and the perfect way to talk about who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. Because what you and I know is this, life isn't comfortable. 
I mean, I, I like comfortable, but life isn't comfortable. I like having the thermostat just where I want it. I like having the TV volume exactly how I like it. I like my steak cooked exactly the way I like it. I like my kids behaving exactly how I want them to behave. I like that one week, I, I like that one week in, in my life between haircuts where I think my hair is just right. I like when there's extra money in the bank account so I can buy exactly what I want. I like comfortable, but life is rarely comfortable. I rarely get the temperature exactly how I like it. The TV is either too loud or too quiet. My kids aren't always being behaving the way that I want them to, and I still have to live with my hair the other weeks of the month. And even when I'm cooking my steak, I rarely get it to that perfect spot, just a bit past medium rare, but not quite medium. And those, when you think about it, those are the small things in life where we're chasing comfortable, but we find ourselves uncomfortable. Because you know and I know that life is full of real challenges, some of which seem insurmountable at times. I mean, think of some of the challenges that you have faced or that you might face at some point in your life. You might have grown up with a learning disability, or you might still struggle with a learning dis disability, or you might have a, a, a child with a learning disability. Some of you, you have faced and some of you will face the incredibly weird and awkward challenge after college of moving to a new town and discovering that after college there is no more automatic peer group to make friends with. And you, and you find that you struggle to build relationships. You find that you struggle to know people. You feel isolated. Some of you, you will apply for grad programs and you'll not get in and your plans will turn upside down in a minute. You might lose a job. Some of you might have lost work because of what's happened in the last few months. At some point in your life, you'll probably lose someone that you love. At some point in your life, you probably have gotten or will get bad news at a doctor's appointment. At some point, point along the way of life, chances are good that you have had or you will have your heart broken. At some point in life, you'll make a bad investment and have to figure out how to move forward. At some point along the way of life, you may make a decision that you feel like that there is no coming back from. You might move to a new city and feel like you have no friends and no one that you wanna to get to know. And here's the thing, saying all of that, we haven't even really mentioned the coronavirus. You might face a pandemic that turns your world upside down. You, I mean, you might, you might, like all of us have, you might have to work from home and develop all new habits and disciplines and routines. Your kids might have school from home for three months. You might not know what school looks like at the beginning of next school year. You might have kids that are suddenly home all the time, but you still have to go to work. You might have had your finances get really tight because you lost hours or you lost your job altogether. Life is uncomfortable and that's okay because even though we all enjoy and prefer comfortable, none of us has been called and created for a life of comfortable. You are created and you are called to something better. Francis Chan said it this way, the truth is that the spirit of the living God is guaranteed to ask you to go somewhere or do something that you wouldn't normally want or choose to do. The spirit will lead you to the way of the cross as he led Jesus to the cross. And that is definitely not a safe or pretty or comfortable place to be. The Holy Spirit of God will mold you into the person that you were made to be. So here's a phrase that I'm working to embrace in my life that I would love to teach you. I don't pursue comfortable, I pursue Christ. As I pursue Christ, the Holy Spirit brings comfort. As a matter of fact, let's all say that one time together from Shakespeare to our couches and our kitchens. I don't pursue comfortable, I pursue Christ. As I pursue Christ, the Holy Spirit brings comfort.
And the idea is simply this. I want Jesus more than I want comfortable. So when Jesus calls me to go somewhere uncomfortable or do something uncomfortable, I want my first response to be, yes, Lord. Anywhere, anytime, anyhow, I'm gonna follow you. Even if it costs me my comfortable way of life. If it costs me the comfort of my couch, I'll leave it behind. If it costs me the comfort of a relationship that's easy but not what God has for me, I'll leave it behind. If it costs me the comfort of being a casual Christian who doesn't bring Jesus up in my workplace, I'll lay aside my comfort. Whatever comfort it costs me, I'll leave it behind because following Jesus is better than being comfortable. And here's what's amazing about that. When you're following Jesus, He promises, he promised his first disciples and he promises you that the Holy Spirit will bring and provide comfort for you. That even while I'm leaving comfort behind, the Holy Spirit can bring a new comfort to my heart and my mind that I can't know from my couch. A comfort I can't know from the relative comfort of being quiet about your faith. A a comfort that you can't know from the relative calm of that relationship that you know is ultimately no good for you. In short, here's the truth. The Holy Spirit can bring a comfort that a comfortable life never can. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit can bring a comfort that a comfortable life never can. Francis Chan said it this way, why would we need to experience the comforter if our lives are already comfortable? It is those who put their lives at risk and suffer for the gospel who will most often experience his being with you always, even to the end of the age. I think it's safe to even go this far. The more we pursue comfortable, the less we experience of God's comfort. So let's stop pursuing comfortable. Stop settling for comfortable. Let's live as men and women pursuing Christ and watch as God brings a comfort better, far better than any comfortable that this life has to offer. So what what does that comfort look like? See, God promised, Jesus promised, that the Holy Spirit would be our comforter. Not that we would live a comfortable life, but in the middle of uncomfortable life, we could and we would know God's comfort. And scripture points to a few specific times in life that we'll experience the Holy Spirit's comfort. In our loss, in our work for Him, in our chaos, and in our confusion. Let's talk first about comfort in our loss. The very first promise that Jesus made about the Holy Spirit came in John chapter 14 when Jesus promised this. He said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Now, we often think of this as a promise to us because it is, but it was also a promise given to these 11 men who were about to lose the one that they had put their faith in. They were about to lose the one who gave them instant popularity. They were about to lose the one who had given them importance and significance. They were about to lose everything they thought mattered. And if they didn't realize all of that, Jesus did. And he told them in in advance, hey, you're sad because I've told you I'm going away. You're sad because you realize that you are about to experience loss. But I want you to know, in your loss, I will have provided a way for you to experience real comfort. Because yes, you'll be losing the presence of God in front of you, but from now on, you will have the presence of God living in you. And he'll provide a comfort that even I could never give you. Now that's some incredible news. That's incredibly, well, comforting. 
Because so many of us have experienced loss on some, some level. So, some of us, it was a loss of a job or a loved one. Some of us, it was a miscarriage or a stillbirth where you lost a child. Some of you, you lost a preferred future with a relationship that you thought was gonna last forever. Loss hurts and it, and it hurts deep. But there's good news when it comes to your loss. In the midst of your loss, you have an opportunity to experience the Holy Spirit in a way that you can't in the middle of your joy. And while you would never pray for loss, and while I would never pray for any of us to experience loss, when you find yourself there, you have an incredible promise to hold on to, that the Holy Spirit is there with you. You are not alone in your loss. The Holy Spirit is there to bring you comfort and to heal the hurt, not in a moment, but eventually and over time, and to help you find your way forward. So in the unfortunate but unavoidable moments where loss becomes a part of your life and your reality, lean into the Holy Spirit. He is with you there. Next, let's talk about how the Holy Spirit brings comfort in our work for God. There, there's this weird but kind of amazing passage that comes to us from the book of Acts, describing what happened right after Saul, who had been working to end the church, became a follower of Christ. Here's what it tells us in Acts chapter 9. So he, Saul, went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. And it says this, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Here's the story. Saul becomes a Jesus follower and immediately starts preaching about the love and grace and power of God that's available through Jesus. This is wild. Christians should have been terrified that he was playing the, a long-term con, but they were celebrating because they saw what was happening. Then there's this news that Saul's old buddies are now trying to kill him. So they need to get Saul out of town. Things were going bonkers crazy. And in the middle of bonkers crazy, we're told this, that the church had peace and walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. What? Here's the only way to explain that. They were doing the work of the Lord. They were pursuing Christ more than their own comfort. And not only were they pursuing Christ, they were spreading the news of Christ. And in response, this is so amazing, in response, the Holy Spirit brought them great comfort and great peace. Here's the truth. You can have absolute confidence and comfort in your heart and mind as you work with Christ for Christ. As, as a pastor, let me just tell you, I find great peace in that. That as I'm working for Jesus, the Holy Spirit provides comfort no matter how crazy my life gets. If you're a volunteer or a small group leader or involved in missions or you get involved in our community outreach projects, you should find great peace in that. That when you're working for Jesus, loving people for Jesus, helping people grow in their relationship with Jesus. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to bring you peace and to bring you comfort and to bring you confidence. You are not alone working for Jesus. God the Holy Spirit is living inside you as you're doing the work of God around you. He brings comfort. He brings peace when the world is spinning out of control. He brings comfort when people speak badly about you for things that you're doing when you're sharing the love of God. He brings a confidence that you can do anything and everything that God has called you to do. When you're doing the work of God, you can have absolute confidence, absolute peace, and absolute comfort because the Holy Spirit is with you. So the best way to experience that, 
Start doing the work of God. Start doing the work of Christ. Start working with Jesus to do the work that Jesus wants done in the world. Start sharing his love and grace to people around you. Start using whatever influence you have in your neighborhood at work to help someone come to know Jesus. Start using your time to serve people in Jesus's name. And I promise you, because Jesus said this was real, I promise you that when you do, you will experience a new level of the comfort that the Holy Spirit can bring to you. Here's the next one. Let's talk about comfort in our chaos. Here's a ridiculous question. Anyone felt any chaos lately? For most of us, life got pretty wild. And for many of us, life is still, still feeling pretty wild and chaotic because the world got turned upside down. That happens sometimes on a worldwide scale, but we all know that it can happen on an individual scale. And in the middle of that, God promises that he can and will be our comfort through all kinds of chaos. Here's what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, starting in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. You know what I love about that? God has more comfort than life has chaos. For every time something chaotic or troubling is mentioned by Paul, there is more comfort and more compassion from God. Which means no matter how chaotic your life gets as a Christ follower, you can experience real lasting comfort. Can I be honest? This is why as Christ followers, we didn't go crazy when COVID hit. Because we know, like I said a few months back, if the absolute worst case, worst case scenario happens that you lose your life, death is not the end of the story. As Christians, we don't get paralyzed with fear even when there's reason to be afraid. We realize that ultimately God is in control and he gets to write our story. Now here's something worth paying attention to though from this passage. Is your comfort from God ultimately for your benefit? Nope. And it's not ultimately for my benefit either. Paul says God brings us comfort so that we can comfort those in any trouble. See, your comfort and my comfort, it's not for you and it's not about you. It's so that you can be comfort for those around you. This is why as Christ followers on social media right now, we shouldn't be boastful about how unconcerned and unfazed and how right we are right now. We should encourage people and comfort people and point people to Jesus so that others can experience real comfort from God in the middle of their chaos. Now, finally, let's talk about comfort in our confusion. I, I don't know about you, but for me, the most uncomfortable that I ever feel in life is when I don't know what to do. I, I feel really uncomfortable when I don't know the next right step. And if I'm honest, when I can't see the next right step, I just wanna curl up in a little ball and sit there until someone comes along to tell me the next right thing to do. Which is why I think it's so beautiful to, to me how the Holy Spirit is described by David when he wrote Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And then he said this, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love this. See, for, for a shepherd, a rod and a staff were correcting tools. They were tools to be used when a sheep had started to drift away from the flock or when a sheep had drifted into unsafe spaces. David said, God, 
you're like a shepherd. And when I drift or when I wander or when I don't know where to turn, you guide me with your rod and your staff. You won't let me stray too far away from you. You'll help me know the turn to take and you'll keep me close to the flock for my protection. And in that, David said, I find comfort. And you wanna know what? I find comfort in that too, that God directs. So it's not always up to me to figure out the, night, the right next step. It's up to me to listen for and follow God's perfect, perfect direction. And I, have, and I can have confidence knowing that whatever step God asked me to take is right. And all it requires is that I trust God enough to take whatever step he's asking me to take. The good news is that the Holy Spirit is a comforter. It's who he is. It's what he does. And every single one of us can experience his comfort when we lean into him in our loss, when we lean into him while we're working for him, when we lean into him in our chaos, and when we lean into him in our confusion. So let's invite him and let's allow him to bring his comfort in our lives in any way, in every way that he wants to. Let's never settle for comfortable. Let's pursue Christ and watch as the Holy Spirit brings comfort that comfortable never can.